you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This week, uh, no, let me start that over again. <laughs> and welcome. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, geez. I, you know, this is going to be how we, we open up the episode now. Yes. Yep. Uh, they just need to know the ridiculousness mm-hmm. that happens. 100%. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been consuming and sometimes playing. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we're talking about a Spanish horror series, a board game, my new favorite movie, <laughs> and of course, Hammer Horror. Hammer Horror. Dun, 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 dun. I, I will talk about this when we talk about the movie, but Hammer Horror fucking rules. <laughs> Uh, I am so glad that we decided to to, to do this because it's uh it's been this, wild. These movies are so wild, and I love every second of it. Like they know exactly what they are, and it is so much fun. Yes, yes, it is. Oh my god! Before we do get to that, though, Mary Beth, I want to know about the Spanish horror series, and I want to know—is it thirty coins? It is thirty coins. Yeah, how is it? So good. Yeah. So Steve and I have been watching it. The episodes are really long. They're like. The first episode was like an hour and a half. Oh. And all the other episodes have been over an hour. So it's like a little bit harder for us to watch it all, like all the way. It's like to like binge it. Has mm-hmm. We haven't been doing that. But we just finished the third episode. And it fucking rules. It's so bananas. It is like a Catholic 
possession exorcism movie like show but taken to like an absolutely like exaggerated degree because it's alex de la iglesias i believe and he has done some amazing stuff Mm -hmm. and this is very much in his style of just like okay cool like you've seen the story before but you have not seen it like this and so it follows this priest who is also an (laughs) ex-boxing champion and has a room full of machine guns and he's very hot and chain smokes cigarettes (laughs) and he is a priest in this very small town in the middle of nowhere in spain and all of this crazy shit starts happening so and then the local veterinarian and the mayor and him kind of make this weird ragtag trio who are trying to kind of figure out what's going on in the town. And for the first couple of episodes, the priest is like, there's nothing happening. It's all in your head. And now it's getting to the point where he like is no longer in denial. And there's lots of reasons in the show. You'll see why he's in denial. But the scares are amazing. The effects are awesome. Like it's basically there's like a you have to watch the whole thing. But there's a mon- it's there's like it's like monster of the week. Mm hybrid so there's like a there's usually a a story in each episode that gets kind of tied up it also pushes forward like the overarching narrative so it's kind of that monster of the week meets like full-on like um like evil sort of evil yes it is like evil so yeah it's really good it's on hbo max and it's just very enjoyable and it's like kind of darkly funny and like a little bit bonkers and it's a lot of just just goes balls to the wall in a really good way i was gonna ask you have you seen any of his other his other work ah yes and i need to look up his name i have not seen witching and bitching all the way through but i do love that movie yeah that was my first introduction to him and it's uh it's wild it's a wild movie yeah and that's like very indicative of his style and I didn't realize how long he's been making movies. Yeah, yeah um, cuz like I know someone is putting out a I think like a remaster of The Day of the Beast from like 1995. Yeah. Mhm. Yes, it's a very good show and a lot of people have been singing its praises and it's it is very good. And I'm only on episode 3 and I'm like how much crazier could this get? So I'm <laughs> very pumped. And like I said the priest is really hot. Hey, you sold me there. <laughs> And you you haven't watched it yet, Terry? No, I haven't. I've been meaning to. I just between like festivals and between covering the shows that I've been doing with, with Joe Lipset of yeah. the Horror Queers, I just haven't really had time to devote to it as I would want to. So I've been I've been saving that for like a rainy day. Yeah. For a couple days. No, for sure. It's really good. And it like I said, it's longer. So it's not like you know, you can't just binge it. You could. I mean, you really could binge it in a day if you wanted to. But it's definitely like it's not like a quick moving like, OK, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Like it's like watching movies, basically. each yeah. episode. But they're really well done. Cool. Yeah. Did you have you seen The Bar by him? I just now no, I'm realizing that that I was directed haven't. by him. That was one that I kept haven't. showing up on Netflix. And like I've been meaning to, to watch it for like <laughs> three years, I think now. <laughs> And I just oh, now realize that this yeah. is directed by him, too. I have heard of this. And I think I have also seen it on Netflix. It kept getting recommend, recommended to me on Netflix. And as I added to my list, and I've been like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. And then I never did. But now I, I really want to watch it since I didn't realize it was by him. <laughs> my favorite is adding things to my queues on like all the streaming platforms. And then just like never. <laughs> it's like I have all these things to watch. And then I just like watch the same shit. Uh, I know. Story of my life. But yeah, so that's 30 coins. Terry, what was this board game? Tell me about this board game. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I realized this weekend that I had spent, uh, I've spent like many months without taking a 
real break. Like every day that I possibly could, I had been watching something either for the podcast, which is ironic because now I'm talking about this on the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't – you didn't know you were going to talk about it No, I didn't. So between taking that day off and spending it playing video games and then playing this board game and then the fact that uh, South by Southwest is around the corner and I can't really talk about those movies yet – I took Saturday off and I played Jaws the board game. Fuck yeah. Oh my God. Tell me everything. It looks so fun. I was going to have you because you're a board game player, right? I am a board game player. I ha- I don't have this game and I hadn't actually really heard of it until you posted about it, but I'm going to buy it because it looks it's right up my alley. It is a blast. It is a lot better than I ever expected a licensed uh, board game to be because it mimics the movie incredibly well. It's split into two acts and the first act is spent with the shark trying to eat as many swimmers as possible okay. while the other team, uh, which is played by Quint, uh, Hooper, and Brody, regardless of how many people are playing, it's a two to four player game. Okay. And depending on how many people are playing, you are all you're playing all three because they sort of have their own roles that they must do to to work so like if you don't have one you you can't you can't play the game okay because like brody's stuck on land and he's trying to get the barrels to the docks and stuff and close beaches and things hooper is floating around using his fish finder quint is out there trying to hunt the shark so like each of them kind of plays a as a as a unit together and mm. then on the shark side it's a hidden movement game sort of like letters from Whitechapel. Oh, cool. So you keep track of where you're at, how many swimmers, and then you basically say, I ate three swimmers here. If you pass by like barrels in the water or whatever, you have to say, I passed by this barrel. But then otherwise, they don't know where you're at. Oh. Yeah. And then once either the shark eats a certain amount of people or the good guys, the the, the humans, good guys, <laughs> humans <laughs> <laughs> tag the shark twice with barrels it moves to act two and you flip the board over and you are on Orca and <gasps> you have no a ship way. that has like tiles on it and they're trying to kill you, kill the shark while the shark is trying to either A, eat them or completely destroy the ship. And it's another hidden movement game where you, you turn over tiles and that gives the, the humans three different areas that you can show up in on the ship and you secretly choose one and then it plays out and they can like hit you you destroy the ship and it just becomes like it's basically the end of the movie where you're you're trying to see how much of the ship you can destroy or or whatever and it's it's a blast it's a lot of fun wow that sounds so fun that's amazing yeah i i really i was really surprised because you know the, what i liked about the first act is that i love games like letters from Whitechapel, but trying to mm-hmm. it's, it's such a big board game and trying to explain it to people and, and have it like a low-key yeah. night is really difficult whereas like jaws the board game has like a very finite amount of areas to, to go around mm. and it's it's a good learning i would say this is like a good entry point to those kind of more complicated games oh cool this was a lot of fun i had a blast playing it and i i can't wait to play it again oh my gosh okay cool well now i'm gonna have to buy that next time i go to my local um game store I could Highly buy it online, but I like I like supporting my local games. Hell store. yeah, support local local shops, especially right yeah, now. Exactly, especially right now. Wow, that's so exciting. 
Yeah. So what is your new favorite movie, Mary Beth? It's The Devils by Ken Russell. It's my new favorite movie. It's on Shudder. I watched it too. <laughs> oh, maybe you did? I did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Guys, I have not stopped thinking about this movie for like a week and a half. For the for y'all who haven't like no, do don't know anything about it, this is a it's based on a true story, which is mm-hmm. hysterical. But it is a dramatized account of the rise and fall of Urbain Grandier, who was a seventeenth-century Roman Catholic priest in France who was accused of witchcraft following alleged demonic possessions of sexually repressed nuns. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, Terry, tell me, tell me how you feel about this movie because I've been hyping it up, and the, like a lot of Twitter has been because it's finally on Shutter. It's back on Shutter, and people have been watching it for the first time, including myself. I hated it. Oh, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I love this movie. This movie. (laughs) I was like so ready to be like, okay, tell me. (laughs) I know. Uh, that's what killed me <laughs> that's why i had to like no i'm kidding because like your, your tone was like it was almost an inst- instant of like heartbreak <laughs> uh i'm sorry no don't apologize okay Phew, boy no. i'm sweating <laughs> no i absolutely love this movie and the re- and the way i realized that i loved it because i was i was watching this and i'm like i don't really know how i feel about this and then i realized that i was like almost an hour into it and i was like oh this has gone by really fast. It is, it's wild. I didn't know what was going on at the beginning because it opens up with this highly stylized uh, <gasps> oh. theatrical presentation where I guess the king is performing on stage. Yes, it's the birth of Venus and he is Venus and he's wearing a little bikini. He certainly is. He's wearing an itsy bitsy teeny weeny metallic mermaid bikini. Yeah. And I was really confused. And then... (laughs) I mean, that's fair. So was I. I was like, whoa, is this the right movie? (laughs) Did I press play on the right thing? Yeah. And then it just, it keeps going from there. And the way the story slowly unfolds about the way that there is power struggles and in France and the way that the city is like trying to self-govern and the way that Urbane, everyone is obsessed with him. I mean, he has a really nice mustache. I will say. Oliver Reed. Oh, my God. I have so many feelings about Oliver Reed, who played Grandier. He was like the bad boy of the time, and he mm. was always drunk. Like, he was wasted filming this movie and very sweaty. He was very sweaty in this so movie. Sweaty. He was so sweaty. <laughs> so but he sweaty. Is, I, he is hot. Oh, I, 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 won't, I won't disagree. But it was one of those that, like, scene by scene, my my sexual attraction to him kept changing and <laughs> yeah yeah because when he's first like introduced and he's walking down the street and all the the, the nuns are like tra- clamoring to like see him i'm like this is this is what passes for hot. <laughs> <laughs> this is what like look he doesn't have the plague and he's like relatively like clean so <laughs> in this like 17th century play ridden village in the middle of nowhere i mean that's fair <laughs> That is yeah. that is a fair statement. I love I loved oh my god, I love the dialogue. The dialogue is ridiculous. Provincial bitch. Like prov- yes. And so also just to re- just to recognize uh Vanessa Redgrave as Sister Jean, who was the mother superior, oh. the like very horny mother superior, she is 
so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like she plays this like conniving, pious, weird lady with the best laugh, and she's so nasty and horny. <laughs> <laughs> And she's just, like, despicable in the best way. Like, the performances in this movie rule. Like, everyone is, like, on cocaine, it feels like. Like, everyone is turned up to... I say that because everyone is, like, turned up to 11. Especially when we get into, like, the orgy scenes and the exorcism scenes. Like, everyone is just screaming. Like, it's just, like, everyone's in a frenzy. It is absolutely ridiculous. And it's beautiful. (laughs) The production design... Oh, is so huge in this movie God. and feels modern at the same time as feeling like ancient. It's it's a it's a oh, really weird aesthetic that like really worked for me. It's so bizarre too, and like the costume design. I cannot stop thinking about the costume design because it's so weird like there's the witch hunter father bar who has oh like my a god tank top and gloves <laughs> yes! and he has like john lennon glasses yes! like the really small circle ones and like long hair like he looks like a punk rock dude like a rock and roll dude from the 70s like in a rock band and he is a witch hunter and <laughs> everything about this movie is so meticulously done and it is it is like a sensory overload in the best way possible and everyone needs to watch it it's not that long it's gonna overwhelm you, and it's you're not gonna be able to stop thinking. Yeah, it's o- it- overwhelming, and it is a little exhausting by the end. Not in a bad way. I just felt like I was spent by the end of the movie. It was. It's like emotionally exhausting. So, like, watch it when you don't have anything to do afterward, and you can just like, either lay there and watch something funny, or just like go to bed because like it goes from orgies to someone getting burned alive. Like, it's an emotional roller coaster. Plus, you have um, Gemma. Jones saying destroy me i love you uh, him <gasps> oh my god that was like this movie is so hot like she is praying doing confession to to grandier and she goes destroy me i love you and i was like oh this is so hot like <laughs> i did not expect like i knew it was horny but i didn't think it was gonna, i thought it was gonna be like creepy horny mm-hmm. not like oh my god that's the hottest thing i've ever heard someone say in a movie <laughs> My favorite thing doing like some little bit of background research on this movie was this uh, section about how British film critic Alexander Walker described the film as monstrously indecent in a television confrontation with Russell, leading (laughs) the director to hit him with a rolled up copy of The Evening Standard, the newspaper for which Walker worked. Oh, my God. Fuck. Yeah. I just so controversial. And I get like especially in that time, it was like. Oliver Reed at one point in a vision plays Jesus Christ and Sister Jean like tongues his his like crucifixion wounds like that's <laughs> that's pretty like blasphemous like I think it's cool as hell but like in that time they're like is she tonguing his wounds and you're like uh-huh. yes she is she's making out with his with his holes and not the holes you think of I'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Mary Beth. I know. Sorry. But Um, I I mean, that is the appropriate mindset to go into this movie with. And honestly, when I was reading, because Wikipedia, afterwards, I was reading the plot synopsis on Wikipedia, and it had included stuff that is even cut out of the the shutter part. And there is a sequence in which um, a nun uses a burnt femur as a masturbatory aid. I I read that and I was like, oh, my God. Ow. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, okay, but like, props to Ken Russell for making something so blasphemous and so beautiful and so hot. Like, it, it's 
quite miraculous like that movie and like what he made that couldn't be made today i don't think no are you kidding me i don't think anything like that can ever be made again and i love that like it's such a beautiful relic and i'm i know that it it gets very controversial and there's like the the uncut version that's like super hard to find and then there's one on shutter and i hope they give this like a good blu-ray release Especially because everyone's talking about it now it's on Shutter. Oh, like, I, hope I guess so. you could import it, but I, I I have a feeling this is gonna lead to like a new release. I hope At least so. I'm hoping, I'm manifesting it. <laughs> yeah, so go watch that on Shutter before it goes away. Because yes. this is it was up there briefly back in I wanna say it was twenty nineteen, maybe. Yeah. It, yeah. it was up there for a little bit and then they took it down. So The Devils by Ken Russell on Shutter. Y'all, please go watch it. It's well worth your time. Yeah. And the more people watch it, the more likely we'll be able to get a Blu-ray release. So, yay. <laughs> um, I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, my God. Yeah, Ugh. me too. I I mean, you know, when everyone's talking about it and hyping it up, it's always like a worry of like, am I, I, I going to be going in with too high of expectations? And this movie sidesteps those expectations in an interesting way that I w- was not expecting anything that I was given, even after everyone hyping it up. No, my expectations, like I didn't even, I had high expectations and then it was like, you have no idea what you're getting into. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, like the opening, like you said, the opening with the Kang, it's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> okay. I'm going to cut myself off because I could talk about this movie for a very long time. <laughs> let's, let's create a, a, a podcast where we, Dig into it every minute, minute by minute. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. Everyone would really love that. I'm sure they would. But um, speaking of wild, but in a very different way, what Hammer Horror movie did we watch for this week, Terry? Wow. <laughs> we watched Die, Die, My Darling. Also known as The Fanatic, I found. Yeah. What did you think of this movie, Mary Beth? I... <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Okay, what is it about first? Let's start with that. Okay, so a young woman is terrorized by her fiance's demented mother-in-law who blames her for her son's death. <laughs> and the tagline on Letterboxd is, she's one mean mother-in-law. <laughs> um, which is true. So, yeah, basically this, this, this young woman, her name is Patricia, heads to visit her mother-in-law for deceased fiance to just like, you know, be cordial, like, hey, how are you doing? And then Mystery Foil, played by the amazing Tallulah Bankhead, mm. uh, who is the mother-in-law, traps her in the house to cleanse her of her sins and cleanse her so she can meet dear Stephen in heaven. Who died unblemished, a virgin soul. He was a supposedly. virgin. Virgin. This movie? <laughs> it's it's cruel. Yeah. I, cr- I guess oh, maybe not cruel is not the right word. All the, all the characters are cruel. Like everyone in this movie is vile. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree. <sighs> I, although I will say that I do feel bad for uh, for Patricia. Yeah, Patricia. I don't think Patricia is vile. I guess I mean like Mrs. Trefoil and then her um the people that help her in the house, especially anna who was her housekeeper and then anna's husband who is disgusting anna who apparently has like amazing strength yeah they have a cat fight at one point and then her husband harry mm-hmm. who is a rapist mm-hmm. on multiple occasions mm-hmm. tries to rape her a creepazoid 
Uh, yes, he just is he's he's lecherous. He has those he has those eyes that that a lot of older movies used. That was like that kind of without being pejorative, crazy eyes, like the the like wide eyed, like lecherous eyes that that are just like you know that he's up to no good and he's constantly looking at her with the with that gaze and you're just waiting for something bad to happen. Yep. And I will say hammer horror aesthetics are so on point. Like these houses that they have, mm. like it is such ridiculous, like almost campy set design in terms of like every inch is covered in like a velvet pillow or like a beautiful curtain or like has a huge like wooden like beautiful set of like chairs and a table like everything is so immaculately designed and every house like i'm thinking of this in horror dracula like you have no idea where you are in the house it's like a labyrinth there's Mm. secret rooms full of weird shit in the (laughs) basement like there's a greenhouse (laughs) so it's like it is another one of those like very elaborate hammer horror movies that take place essentially in one location but it feels like 10 and it's so deeply psychosexual oh my god i was ready for someone to kiss somebody yeah i mean mrs trefoil obviously is in love with her dead son there is an edible a reverse edible complex and who knows maybe it was an edible complex from his perspective but like there there is definitely a gross amount of adoration and almost romantic love foisted upon her dead son by her that is just it adds to the creepiness because she is so religiously fanatic like to the point that they don't allow condiments of any type in the house no it's like salt it's oh what was it like um we enjoy god's food unaltered they're vegetarians they eat this weird vegetarian meatloaf that's made with like wheat germ and it just looks like a slop and red is outlawed there's no red no perfume no lipstick heaven forbid and they always have a very long reading of the bible before their meals and okay speaking of the bible my favorite scene in the entire movie is when mrs trefoil sits down on a chair brings out a bible and has a gun in her hand and she's holding a gun (laughs) and the bible in the same hand and is reading passages i was like i screenshotted that and i was like i need this framed on my wall like this is the the silliest shit i've ever seen like this movie is darkly comedic in that way too like there's some really comedic moments and the score these like very like chaotic harpsichord yes score that like makes these moments funny like you know they're coming in to like feed her slop and it shouldn't be that funny but like the way the music plays it just like amps up the crazy and just like the absolute unhinged nature of these people and it's so funny it is a beautiful pitch black horror comedy i think mm-hmm Yes. And I I mean, props to Tallulah Bankhead, who played Mrs. Trefoil. I think she is my new favorite actress that I have discovered um, from that time period, because just looking through her Wikipedia page, she was openly bisexual. (gasps) She was a political activist. She supported foster children and helped families escape the Spanish Civil War and World War II. She loved her gays and she actually had basically like a group of gays that she paid to like do stuff for her to like be her driver and stuff because she loved them so much and she gave them work. She had a very sad end of her life, though. One of the things I don't know if you noticed it in this movie, but she's drunk a lot in this movie. Oh, she is. Okay, I didn't. They had to. They had to over ADR her die, die, my darling. The line that's like, oh, 
probably like the, the titular line. Mm-hmm. Because she was so drunk when she showed up on, on stage that it was it was nothing like they couldn't use it. Oh, and they had to like no. ADR re-record her a couple times to get it right. This um, article says that she smoked a hun- around 120 cigarettes per day, which is impressive. Yeah. And this was her last uh, full movie. Oh. You know, it, it's it's a, another tragic end to an actress of a movie that that we've that we've covered on this uh podcast yeah. and it's it's sad but on the same time like her career is is phenomenal um she did lifeboat from hitchcock back in the 40s she often got naked at private parties oh she was wild i, I love her me too i would have oh sh- she's buried in maryland oh really town i know where that is wow i'm gonna go visit her grave she is quoted in motion picture magazine uh, saying in 1932, saying, I'm serious about love. I'm damn serious about it now. I haven't had an affair for six months. Six months. <laughs> too long. If there's anything to matter with you now, it's not Hollywood or Hollywood state of mind. The matter is with me. I want a man. Six months is long, long wait while. I want a man. And this was in 1932. I love her. We stand. What a queen. Bisexual queen who is all about sex. Yeah. In the 30s. Oh, my God. I love her. So this movie is amazing. It's weird. It's psychosexual. It's like funny. It Donald Sutherland is in it as a very ableist character who has some kind of a mental handicap, but it's just like that generic kind of fucked up. Like he's got a he does a funny voice and like can't read. Yeah. <laughs> Casual like, oh, he's just like the simple boy that helps around the house. And you're like, OK, well, great. The one, my one complaint about the film is, uh, and I started realizing this in particular about, because the conversation that we're going to have on Monday, you'll find out who that is soon, but we talked with him about a movie in which there is two male characters treating a, a female character as like property in a way. Mm-hmm. And I start thinking about this in relation to this movie, because here we are again with her new paramour, her new love is like, treats her as if she belongs to him. Like he doesn't want her to go to this house. He he's incredulous that she can drive. Uh, and at the end of the movie, I wanted oh, to like, Jesus Christ. I was so, first of all, I, I'm spoilers for a, however many year old movie this is, but he comes and saves her. And at the end of the film, and I hate that first of all, because I, I wanted to see her overcome this by herself and then she's in the car, and she, and he's obviously upset with her for getting into this predicament, I guess. And the first thing out of her mouth is, Alan, don't shout at me. And he says, why don't you shut up? We're going home. And then they kiss. Like, that's supposed to be the romantic end of this movie. I was like, she went from one fucking trapped thing to another. Like, she's just this poor woman as a prisoner. No matter yeah. where she goes, it makes me so sad. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's. I, I wish she wasn't in it. I didn't really care for him. At all. No, he he was a dick. I didn't like him the first time he was introduced, and I definitely like did not like that ending. With I mean, and it's a product of his time. I mean, we have to look at it as as the time period that's in. But it made me yeah. think about like male representations and how relationships were were viewed through cinema, which is a lot of times how we get a lot of our social norms in in, yeah. in like life. Mm-hmm. And so I'm seeing this, and I'm like, this is. I mean, this explains a whole lot. <laughs> It sure does. And there was one more thing. Oh, the one last thing I wanted to bring up was how this has some Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes. Yes. So there's a particular, particularly, this really like came up t- 
in my brain when there's a moment where Patricia tries to escape and she's running out of a greenhouse and the rapist, gross rapist man chases after her and he's giggling mm. and he just chases her through the forest and he's laughing and she's just trying to escape and she's crying. So it reminds me of that moment when Sally tries to escape from the house in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Leatherface chases after her. Like it's very, very – like the parallels are very, very similar. Like even how they're shot in terms of yeah. being shot in a long shot from the woods, a wide shot from the woods. And there's also – really gross dinner table scenes like not obviously it's not cannibalism but it's like you brought this up terry right in terms of the dinner table scene yeah it it definitely um i i was getting like i was, I was so happy when you texted me that you know you were getting uh tcm vibes from this because i was too i was like this feel you have like it's almost like texas chainsaw massacre if it were polite and high society in england yeah it's like rich it's rich white woman texas chainsaw massacre I mean, because you you can you can even like see some of the parallels between like you know Leatherface is, is treated as sort of the 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 simpleton of that family, and he's kind of picked on, and then you have ugh, the Donald Sutherland character, and then you mm-hmm. have the way that everyone that that she's trapped in this house, and you have the the uncomfortable dinner scene, which again, like you said, is not necessarily cannibalism, but it's also like she doesn't want to be a part of this. She's being held against her will. Like there's, I think that there is definitely. A connecting tissue from this film too 100 percent, which is really cool because yeah. you wouldn't think that these two those two movies have any kind of connective tissue no. or like parallels but they really do and it's really really cool i love it when those like movies like like those two kinds of like very different movies have parallels and you're like oh toby hooper was definitely taking some like had to have taken some cues from this movie it's just instead of a chainsaw it was a, a very small little pea shooter of a gun that gun i'll tell you pew, the pew. gun that mrs trefoil had was killing me it's so so, small. so dainty i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna tweet out from our twitter account after this episode goes up the picture the screen grab i took of her holding the gun in the bible because yes is please <laughs> one hashtag one perfect shot <laughs> <laughs> yes yes please do it's so funny but yeah, so this was um, Die, Die, My Darling, also known as Fanatic on Letterboxd. So definitely check that out. You can find it. I've, I paid to rent it on Amazon, so it was like four bucks. And it's also in that Hammer Horror set if you bought that 20, 20 collection, the collection of 20 movies. It's also in there. And so, Terry, what is our next um, our next Hammer Horror foray? Next Friday, we're going to be talking about this movie that was recommended a couple by a couple different people on our on our feed and it sounds ridiculous it is called twins of evil <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> like that's how, basically it's about a set of twins one of them's a virgin one of those a vampire i cannot fucking wait it's gonna be so good and the poster the the lines on the poster one uses her beauty for love one uses her lure for blood which is the virgin which is the vampire <laughs> Hammer Horror is the best thing to ever exist, and I'm so sad I hadn't watched anything, any of it before. Hammer Horror is everything to me. It's so good. And so who are we talking to on Monday, though, Mary Beth? Oh, my gosh. So Monday's episode, we are talking to Anthony Scott Burns, who is the writer, director, cinematographer, musician behind the new film Come True, which is currently streaming on VOD. So check that out before our conversation on Monday. And then we are discussing the OG My Bloody Valentine from 1981 with him, which is so fun. We always say it's so fun, but like, honestly, these conversations rule with every guest. Like they always bring such cool movies Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's great. 
and My Bloody Valentine from 1981 is really good <laughs> and weird. We also talk about the differences in um, the censoring with that movie. Speaking of censoring. Oh, God. You, I can't wait for you guys to hear how mad I get about the censoring in that movie. Oh, I was so upset. I was so pissed off. So, yeah, if you watch it not on that blue, on the, the Scream Factory release, mm -hmm. it's censored and I was pissed. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> But listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we've watched this week and have some thoughts? Do you have suggestions for more Hammer films we should talk about? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Please review, rate, and subscribe. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for listening. Stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.